0: everybody. Uh, you are watching On the Town, and I'm your host, Tanya. Tonight's uh, show is dedicated to uh, all the young people that have OD'd, uh, particularly in Westchester County, so RIP to all of them, and tonight's show is dedicated to them. Tonight's uh, uh, guest, uh, I have two guests, actually. One's uh, kind of like a co-host, uh, and I have I have two guests. So the first, our first guest uh, has over 25 years experience in substance abuse, and presently serves as executive director of the Adult Rehabilitation Min- uh, Ministry, excuse me, also known as ARM, uh, A R M. Uh, over, um, they've helped over 5,000 men, 800 women, and have been uh, and that have been impacted, excuse me, by addiction. He is the director, uh, please, executive director. Please welcome O B. Hello.
1: Hello. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor.
0: Thank you for being. I guess we appreciate it. And uh, everybody out there, you already know our next, uh, well, we don't call him a guest. I call him a co-host and an associate producer. Uh, he's no stranger to On the Town. Uh, Elder uh, Richard a. Adamson, how are you? Good.
2: Year. How you doing? I'm honored to be uh, here with you again, Tanya. And I'm yeah. definitely honored to be um, on the show with uh, O.B. Bussey, um, yeah. who does great work. Great work and uh i learned a lot from him
0: that's awesome uh so for you guys don't know it uh, i was an addiction specialist uh and rich also uh is currently a drug counselor a family development counselor uh and he holds a degree in human services so we are all uh how do they say the initials (laughs) qualified uh uh, as they say to um to deal with um addiction Uh, i'm out of the field now but i it's it's a it's a, a It's a topic dear to my heart. Uh, As you know, I lost my mother to addiction. So that's how I came into the field. Uh, So that's why we're here today. So um, uh, first, I will start with you, Obi. Um, How did you get into the field of addiction?
1: I am a person in long-term recovery myself. Um, My sobriety date is Mm 8592. And so in a couple of weeks, I will have 30 years clean. And so after getting clean, I went out and, you know, into corporate America and just felt a calling to help people such as myself. And mm-hmm. so in January it was 25 years for me being executive director of Orm. And so that's my introduction by me being a person that had dealt with recovery and and was able to get clean, just wanted to go back and help other people to achieve sobriety as well.
0: And and uh and so it, well, what um you know what does your agency do? That's first
1: of all.
3: Um,
0: we so. are
1: a long-term uh, treatment facility for men and women. We're a six months to a year program, okay. and so we do all of the clinical stuff. We have licensed therapists, mental health care specialists. We do psychological evaluation, mm-hmm. all of those things. One of the unique things about us is the first four months, our clients don't work that's when they do uh the therapeutic part and i'll i'll say this and stop because we believe that until you find the root of why you use and and be equipped with the coping skills you will eventually go back out so we spend the first four months educating and equipping and then they go out and start looking for work
0: wow so that's that's a powerful piece because a lot of people don't realize that and they people try to do too many things at once um, um i see also you have a piece uh, uh that you deal with family as well because a lot of people don't know that too that you know you don't just deal with the addict but the people surrounding the addict also
1: yes we every saturday we do what we call a family meeting where we talk about enabling mm-hmm. codependency and mm-hmm. just educating the families about addiction mm-hmm. and helping them to learn how to be a help rather than a hindrance. Mm. Um, we we say this, where does love end and codependency begin? Mm.
3: Wow.
1: You, you, you know, it's normally from a good place and a wholesome place that family members try to help, but right. uh, ultimately they are hurting because they're enabling.
0: Yes. Yes. Can you give us an example? Um, you, uh, you too, Rich. uh example of because there's a lot of people that just they don't get this piece, and I understand it. It's not a judgment because nobody knew about addiction. Nobody knew what that was. And if you're not a counselor like us, you really don't know. You have no idea. So, what can you give us a little example of? Like, okay, um, let's say my team is, uh, you know, uh, doing things that I suspect. What's an example of enabling versus um, actually like nipping it in the butt and saying we got to address this issue?
1: One is to is to be honest, not be afraid, uh, to offend. And also, um, we can't enable by giving them things and giving them money when you don't think they should have it. Or addicts are consequence-driven people. And a lot of times, family members will be guilt-driven into doing things that they know better than not to do. You have to allow them to suffer the natural consequences of their actions. And that's what they need support to be able to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Rich, do you have any uh any any examples? Cause uh, I know as we speak right now, there are a lot I, I've literally witnessed people just push someone right into I'm like, What are you doing? Why if you someone's if you know I have an opioid addiction, even if I'm I don't care how old I am, why are you giving me money to go and you know what I'm saying why would oh well Some people say, oh, well, you know, um, just like when they say with smoking marijuana, I'd rather smoke at home than to be out somewhere else. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Uh, Give me just an example because I'm trying to. Well,
2: well, when you, um, one example that I have, which I see a lot, um, not even just with young adults, but even with adults, is when a family member or a significant other um, strategically only uh, points out the good oh, he has a job, oh, he's in school, he gets high grades, Um, and um, he's functioning. But me personally, this is me just personally, and I would like to get Brother Obie's feedback on this too. I don't believe in functional addict. Um, Mm. I believe that if you are using, you're not functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have to take a drink to talk to my wife and to deal with my family, if I have to, what happens when that drink of liquor is not there? So mm-hmm. sometimes enabling is a person saying, "Well, he has a job, or, or my son or my daughter, or whoever has a job, they're doing mm-hmm. good. They're going to school. So uh, you know, they sniff a little cocaine, they they drink here and there, but but yeah. you're not addressing the problem. Um, I can't use the good that I do as an excuse." to overlook a dysfunction in another area. Like a doctor mm-hmm. would never say to me, Rich, you got a bad heart, but you got big muscles, so don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he would say, we got to address this bad heart. So, mm-hmm. but that's why I never believed in the theory of mm-hmm. functional addict.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's just yeah. that's just me. I don't I don't How do you feel about that, brother Obi?
1: I agree. I I believe in in total abstinence for for the person that's dealing with addiction. There's three stages to a uh, a person that suffers with addiction. There's a casual user. That's the people who can drink and it has no effect. Then it's the abusive stage. That is when they they get drunk and they do a lot of different things, but they're able to come back and function, as Richard was saying. Then it's the last stage, which is the chronic stage of addiction. That means that they cannot function without the use of addiction and so mm-hmm. once you have entered into either one of those last two stages
3: mm-hmm. you
1: just can't use successfully without something bad happening and mm. so um i know people that will say well i no longer do heroin but i still drink and i'm okay mm. and i don't believe in that as well i believe in 100 total right. abstinence for the person struggling with addiction mm. mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm.
0: What do you, what do you think? Um, Cause right now the opioid um, uh, crisis is just, it's just, I mean, I, I've never seen nothing like this. Uh, and I know it's, you know, it started mm, about the 1999, somewhere in that ballpark and then it escalated. Uh, but these young people are just, they're just dropping. And, and, and I don't know if it, I don't know what is sucking so many people, in, especially young people. That's, that's just the mind boggling part for me. Young people um and I asked a kid one time I said why you know you're only 19 19. I said you're 19 years old what's going on and he what? said to me Sorry. I can't keep up with my with my you know dad who makes a million dollars a year I can't keep up with him I'm never going to do that that's not going to be me and so he already had given up before he even started so I said so you are going to? so okay you can't be him nobody's asking you to be him well he is What? Well, no you're not That's not, that's not, that's his stuff being projected onto you. But what are you going to do about you? Because if you, I mean, to me, young people, um, if they have to get high every day to get by, that says a lot, a lot about their environment, what's going on. um, Just so many elements. What do you think is drawing so many young kids? I mean, I know the music now, that's the, the lean music is the thing. You know, but I don't think music can drive you to do drugs, quite frankly. I think that's just what you wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? But what do you think is driving these young people?
2: Well, I I think the first mistake we made in society Mm
3: -hmm.
2: was that we put an age limit on addiction. Mm -hmm. We, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we associated heroin with just people from the 60s. You know, um, we consider some drugs hard and, and some drugs soft like a lot of people consider alcohol a soft drug but that's mm. probably the worst killer you know because it yep. affects every organ in your body um addiction is not just a young people's thing it's not right. an older person's thing so i think the reason why the youth kind of got impacted the way you're seeing now is because for a long time certain problems overlooked, especially if the youth came from a certain geographical location. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, I can speak to the the opioid problem of state because I was working upstate in New York at the Mm -hmm. time when it really started to blow up. Um, Mm -hmm. Opioids have always been a problem. You know, me being in the field 20 years, I saw it. But when you overlook things, they get bigger. So what you're seeing has been here for a long time. Right. it's just now it's making it into the media because it's it's spilling over into a larger you know um problem but a problem that's already been in existence
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so i mean that's my feedback on it i i don't know how you would feel about uh that bro- brother Obi. well one of
1: the things that we have to know is that one thing those prescription drugs that they were given are mm-hmm. highly addictive mm-hmm. but yes. after the the people can no longer get a script. <laughs> then what they're buying them off the street and they're yeah. not real drugs. Those are manufactured pills and the potency is is not the same. So they may have four pills that was manufactured and each one of them will have a different potency. And mm. so when the kids are taking those pills, they're mm-hmm. overdosing because they say, okay, I normally take two, but one of the pills may be have a double or a triple dose because they were they were made mm-hmm. in somebody's house or whatever the case may be. And so they're not getting the real um, prescription drugs and it's killing them. Right. And that's what's happening. It, they're, right. they're homemade manufactured uh, pills and mm-hmm. the potency is not regulated. And so they're overdosing and dying.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw, uh, I was wa- trying to finish watching a documentary I saw uh, where they had a uh, actually held the uh, prescription drug companies um, liable uh, for giving out those scripts because they knew what the damage it would do. It's not like they were like, oh, I didn't know that would happen. They knew. They knew very well what it would do. Um, What happened, what people didn't expect was it to um, not just be in the black community, but filter into the rich community, the white community, all the community. No matter where you're at, it does not discriminate. That's the thing about drugs. We should have learned that lesson in the '60s, but we didn't, because we only see certain addicts. They'll show you on TV. Look, these these are desolate, you know, addicts. They don't go into the good neighborhoods and show you that. So we're just seeing it now because it's spilled over so much that yeah, you will see the housewife uh, just OD, you know, with her husband and her and the baby in the house. So you know, you'll see that now. Um, I'm not sure. Here's my part what is making people not want to um how do I say it I got it what's making people want to basically check out because if you know there's a opioid epidemic even though I know addicts run to it if you say they're gonna die they run to it so I get that but but just let's say the regular kid that says I'm just gonna get high and hang out my friends the fact that you that they want to get high now Instead of really doing something together, like rollerblading or whatever, whatever we used to do, um, says a lot like what's going on in the psyche is what I want to know.
1: Well, back when the when when AA and NA AA was first started, Dr. Mm-hmm. Sipworth wrote this thing called The Doctor's Opinion, mm-hmm. and it was the first published document on, on alcoholism, mm-hmm. but addicts used to enhance or to avoid. And that's a part of our way we socialize. We want to enhance. If I'm going to have something, I think if I have some substances, it Mm. will make me have more fun. If Mm. I don't want to deal with something, I want to avoid it. That's Mm. the primary reason Mm. people use. He said that non-addicts drink for the taste. Mm. Alcoholics drink for the effect. It's, it's the effect that we are going for is the yeah. reason why we use. And, right. and not until people learn how to live life on its own terms yes. yes and be all right, they will continue to use.
0: That's where that saying comes from, live life on life terms. Uh, so, well, um, your your organization, um, you know, you have a lot of different um, uh, modalities. What's the word I'm looking for? That you you address a lot of different things. So you address family. Um, um, and I see you did something where you help, um, so you said they don't have to work, but, uh, you help them so that they, um, can go back out and not just be pushed out and that's it, you know, um, that after, what do you call aftercare? Sorry. That's, that's the word. Mm -hmm. The aftercare is so important. Can you tell us about that? What your, what your agency does?
1: Yes. Um, like I said, in the first phase, that's when we do the equipping, but the next thing is, is to learn how to live. And just because somebody, step one says, I have admitted that I'm powerless over my addiction and my life has become unmanageable. And so that next part of our program in aftercare, we focus on living skills, trying to teach them how to live without the use of mood altering chemicals. And when, when, an, when an addict starts to use, they stop maturing, like for me. I started to use chronically mm-hmm. at twelve. So, mm-hmm. her, so when I came in into the program and got clean, here mm-hmm. I am, a twenty-seven-year-old man with mm-hmm. the emotional maturity mm-hmm. of a twelve-year-old. Right. And so, somebody had to equip equip mm-hmm. me and teach me mm-hmm. how to handle life as an adult because mm-hmm. my my emotional uh, intelligence was a twelve-year-old. So we right. focus on that.
0: Wow. Yeah. You, you are, uh, I always tell people you, uh, when you come into recovery, you are exactly where you left off. Absolutely. So that makes sense. And that's why a lot of people, even, even something simple as smoking marijuana, which some people say, Oh, that's not true. But I was like, yeah, it is. Uh, whatever age you started smoking at, I, I just think you stay stuck there. In my opinion, until you, until you figure all that out. Uh, they, some people just, they're not mature. Uh, and they like, so if you started at 15, and you, you're one of those 30 year olds still smoking, uh, you're pretty much still at 15, in my opinion.
2: Well, no, I'm sorry. I wanted to respond to what you're saying about marijuana, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people defend marijuana, like, oh, you know, it's, a, it's not a drug. But I have to remind people that when you um, alter your mind state, <clears throat> right, your mm-hmm. brain does not sit and differentiate whether it's cocaine, alcohol, uh, marijuana it just knows it's being altered mm. so that's why I believe that's why I believe in uh, the, the the theory that a drug is a drug right you know, um, I do believe in drug of choice because some people are going for an achieved
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, feeling like if if I don't feel confident I take a drink and then I can talk to the opposite sex so okay. some people may use you know but at the end of the day, how our body is impacted our body, our, our central nervous system and all these things mm-hmm. do not say, Hey, you know, Richard is taking cocaine today, tomorrow, maybe all it knows is being altered. So even when it's marijuana, anything that can alter you
3: mm-hmm. is a drug. Mm-hmm. You
2: are getting high. If you're not now, I know that there are some prescribed medications, which, um, are strong enough to, to alter people. But if right. that being prescribed for a specific purpose, like I would I would never tell a person not to take their depression medication. My my mother um suffers from depression and she's okay. prescribed medication by a doctor. But right. abuse is something different. Right. You can yeah. you can um right. you can abuse prescribed medication, which that's been around for a while. It's reached a right. zenith, I believe, now But -hmm. when you look at many of the celebrities um, in the 70s and um, even the late 60s, you know, sleeping pills and and pills were were a problem for a long time. They just weren't at the forefront. Everybody. But I believe that came from people looking at drugs and categories. You know, well, I'm not I don't sniff heroin. I just smoke weed. So I'm not (laughs) as sick as him. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, your body is not. Yeah. Your body is not differentiating which drug you take your body's your body know that it's being intoxicated and when you get your body used to being intoxicated that's what that's what it becomes used to Mm -hmm. so even with the marijuana i i i've had to tell when i used to work in as a counselor in jail you know when uh, i was working at one of the county jails here and um i used to have to tell many of the young men you know what makes you think that uh you're less sick than the heroin the person who's addicted to heroin or the person who's smoking crack they would oh, believe no. that i, I just oh, yeah. smoke weed. yeah i just smoke weed and drink a little alcohol but he don't do the- that yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that that is a big piece especially um my adolescence. i used to work with adolescent and mm-hmm. uh and i was they would that's the first thing they would do is say oh i'm not um uh, you know the sea head you know the insults that they use and i right. said wait a minute i said wait a minute so let's break this down so you're not like 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 so-and-so and they'd be like, no, that's not me. I don't do that. That's I'm not doing that. I'm not telling them about whatever the things that come behind, they think that. And I said, okay. So, okay. So you stopped doing that for 30 days and 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 you shouldn't have any issues at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you mean? They're like, I, yo, I would need to be out. And I need to, I said, what's the difference between you and them? If you, ha- if you had to come in here, clearly there's something wrong, right? Even if it was marijuana, you if you have to come in here, something happened. What was that? And then they'd break it mm-hmm. down, and I filter it out until they saw that. Oh, I guess I am like them. It just sounds like a different thing, but it, like you said, addiction is addiction. The serotonin, you know, in the brain to be happy, it does not decipher. It just knows that something's making it happy. It doesn't. It doesn't care whether it's. Mm-hmm. It, it could be cocaine, and it could be a piece of chocolate. I mean, that's you know, it, it, the brain's like, oh, oh you're
2: yeah, happy. You're right because a person that I was speaking to one day. um, mm-hmm. They were saying to me, you know, Richard, I can't get to my drug. But then the next words that came out of his mouth was the, the, I don't want to say the deciding factor, but what really defined for me, the disease. He said, I need something. Mm. That's what he said to me. He said, I can't get to my drug, but I need something. Mm. That means what he was saying to me, I can't get to my drug right now, but I'll do something else to hold me
1: over.
3: Mm.
2: Wow, therefore a drug is a drug. Yes. Right. If you have any feedback on
1: that, brother, brother? I'm sorry, Tonya, I'm I, I, I do. That's the that's the one of the first things they teach you in meetings. They open up meetings all the time. They said we don't care what your drug is or who where you get it from, because it's it's not I believe in a drug of choice, but mm-hmm. any mood altering chemical mm-hmm. will will activate your addiction. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm you know Mm. my drug of choice was crack but if i use another substance it will eventually take me back to my drug of choice and so that's why i can't use any mood altering chemical that's Mm. not prescribed and when they are prescribed i have to take them the way that they are prescribed
0: Mm. wow so wow that's uh powerful stuff Uh, um, I, I appreciate you guys so much because there's so many questions I have. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this one, that one. But, but here's, here's what I want to go back to is family roles in addiction. Uh, and I keep talking about family because I keep seeing the same cycles repeated over and over again. And I'm like, oh, didn't anybody see this coming or didn't anybody address this? And, and it's still sweeping under the rug in some cultures and some families. It's still, you know, oh, not my family. Meanwhile, it's going on in their family. So that's uh, that's why I'm on family roles in addiction. I always cons- I look at it like there's a big play going on, right, with addiction. When you think of addiction, there's a big play, all right, and everybody in the family has a role, right? Uh, and I think it was uh, I forgot Kitty's last name. She was one of our professors. I for- I forgot her last name, uh, but she was so awesome, uh, and she was the, she just basically said everybody takes a role in addiction. So I always looked at it like a play, a big play, uh, and everybody, what role are you co-starring? you know, your supporting actor, you know, because each, you know, one si- five siblings will see five different things happen and address it five different ways. So that's why um, it's important for family to get the help that they need too, because if they don't, not only do you not understand what's going on with the addict, but for yourself, you're going through the same, um, how do you say, chemical emotions, believe it or not that the addict is going to like like i'll give you an example my mom was a heroin addict uh so people say well no you didn't do heroin and I, well i was a heroin addicted baby but that's another story but but i was like yeah you kind of you don't do it maybe not what she's doing but think about this if she's going and jonesing to get high right she's like meaning whatever whatever the words are if she's looking to get high how much you want to bet that those kids are sitting there like going to happen she's going to come back I'm to eat. that's sort of like the same hyperness feeling that you're going to be feeling so your brain is still going through these you know jumping jacks that the attic is going through and family often is going through to the mother's thinking is he going to steal my pocketbook is he going to be back is he going to od is this going to happen you're just everybody's brain spinning so not just the attic is spinning like how can i go get high what do i need to do but the family uh, everybody is taking a role in this everybody The wife the spouse the kids the dog everybody's got something to do with this so that's why it's important for family in my opinion you can tell me you could chime in um to to address their part because you can't you can lead a horse to work but you can't make them drink so i'm not saying you can just say hey you're gonna go rehab and that's it and everything's gonna be just fine that's not how it works you know that they have to be ready you know but in the meantime if you know this is a part of the family and this is what you have to deal with Getting some kind of help, therapy, NA, whatever meetings out there is very crucial because then when that person does go to get help, you now have the dynamics and the tools in your toolbox to help them when they feel like they need to, you know, slip up or they, they can't make it or they get incompetent, unconfident. You have the tools and you know what to say because sometimes you don't know what to say or what to do. That, that's not a good thing.
1: Not a good thing. Absolutely. One of the first things is, is education. We talked about that. But mm-hmm. when when you're in in relationship with an addict, mm-hmm. you become just as sick as the addict.
3: Yes.
1: You take on the behavior of the person.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: it transferred when 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 wives come in, mm-hmm. and if they stay most times, mm-hmm. they've, they've either been raised in a house with with a, with an addict. Or they've been in a relationship with one and they have been conditioned mm. to, to deal with that and, and cope with that and make excuses for, for addiction. Mm. And they become just as sick as the person that, that used because it's not a normal life. You, yeah. you know, when you're out there, when you're hiding your stuff, going out in the middle of the night looking for people, it affects you too. And I'll say this and I'll stop. Because you're guilt driven. Mm. You think if you don't do those things, all of these bad things are gonna happen and ultimately it's mm. your fault. Mm. And one of the things I have to teach them is to to allow the natural consequences to happen mm. and 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 deal with it. And let me say it this way. We're talking about the spirituality in mm. the in the in the in the Bible. the prodigal son that father never went out looking that father never done anything he gave him the money and Mm -hmm. sat down the bible said and Mm. waited Mm. that's what family has to do they have to allow that process to take place that father didn't do any of that but Mm. when he came back and the Mm -hmm. son was broken and had a repentant heart he received him back but not until then
2: Wow! Right, wow. right. Yeah, you know what? And and um, I really appreciate you you bringing out that point, brother Obie, because um, I, I had to say to my members and friends sometimes, um, don't get in God's way. Hmm. You know, um, with with you know, we may love the person, and we may want to see the best for them. Um, but one of the things I've learned is that I cannot play God or be God. Mm-hmm. I don't have the power to make somebody turn over their will to God and see that their lives have become unmanageable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. they they have to do that. You know, you can support it. And often what I have to tell families, because even you know, I've had I've had, you know, family members come to me and say, you know, I need you to help help my son or my daughter. And I say, I can help, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I can't force them to want to get clean. It's it's like brother Obi said, you have to allow the natural uh, process to take place because if you don't, then they'll never learn. Mm
1: -hmm. And sometimes
2: I think that a person has to feel the pain Mm -hmm. in order to wake up because, you know, they have that saying to be aware is to be alive. If I don't, if I don't feel the pain, that might be an issue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. yeah, sometimes wow. it is necessary.
0: Yeah, to go through and to get where you need to go, and and like someone I think on here said, you know, well, they didn't break that down like this, but I'm, it, it does and If everybody uh, has their own experience uh, to go through in this life, like I can't go through yours, no matter what you do, and you can't go through mine. So whatever that looks like. Uh unfortunately only some things, you know, I think we have God sends us assistance, as I say, you know, in some things, but you still have to. There's some things you're gonna have to learn that I can't teach you and that somebody else can't teach you. So we just go with the flow, as they say. So uh so Obi, uh yeah. let's see. You have um I saw uh, you had more men than women um that's been helped, but I wanted to ask, um who who do you see seeking more help as of now? Remember back in the day, uh, it used to be men uh, a lot more, and maybe I mean it may still be is they still I said that wrong. It may still be, <laughs> tongue twister. Uh, but I see uh, a lot more women when I was when I was working with women um that were coming through uh, and younger and younger and younger. Uh, so uh, men and women seeking help. Who's seeking more help, and how does addiction Uh, both of you, how does addiction affect males versus females? Because there are other issues. Mm
1: -hmm. There are just a lot more places for men to go and get help. There's not a lot of facilities for women. That's one. Two, Mm -hmm. men are typically more free to go and get help because we don't have children. You, you you know the children we have children I'm sorry but the women has the primary role so it's not a lot of places that will take them take the woman and her children so they have to suffer you you know and it's a more shame base for a woman it's I done prison ministry as well for five years I used to be the executive director of two ministries at the same time in my mm-hmm. younger days when I was crazy but. You, when we when you <laughs> go to the prison, it'd be long lines for people going to see the men. Women would go and get visits. People would barely mm. come and see them. And so mm. it's not a lot of support for women. And so mm. women don't go and seek treatment as much as men. And the availability is not there.
2: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe that's true.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. You know, in my experience in doing um, jail ministry and, um, you know, working as a professional in, in a jail, um, there were not a lot of programs, even outside of jail, even, you know, th- there were just not a lot of programs for women, um, particularly <coughs> with sub- substance abuse. Um, and then there's a stigma. Um, I, 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 And I believe that the stigma is a double-edged sword because a lot of right. people believe that the stigma is only against women because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, with women, it's like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be home taking care of the kids and, right. you know, but what, what a man, when he comes out of treatment is, yeah, you got yourself together. The problem that I have with that is, though, is that it it gives a mixed message because mm-hmm. it it kind of teaches men in my opinion from my view mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's okay for you to just keep messing up you know you're supposed to you're supposed to have these problems you know right. she should have herself together but you could be out there messing up you know right. and um that that you know society sends us messages mm. and it's not blaming but we have to be aware of how we collectively communicate mm-hmm. um to to human beings in society because those messages if they're not corrected they get passed down to the next generation
0: exactly and
2: and we always talking about the kids Mm -hmm. you know um why you know little kids are seeing that okay you know um my sister goes to class my mother's on her my father's on her about going to class but not me and in some cases i've seen that happen Mm -hmm. how dare the women in the family mess up? Mm. You know, y'all supposed to be the savior, but it's okay yeah. for us to mess up. So it's, to me, it's a double-edged sword mm-hmm. because it, it it gives the wrong message to the women in the family, but it also gives the wrong message to the men. Because like I said, when women um, go into treatment and when they come out, there's no applause. Yeah. The message is kind of, well, you shouldn't have been doing that anyway, mm. you know? But with, with with the men, it's like, oh, we expect this. You know, mm. and that I don't. I don't think it's good. I, I don't think it's therapeutic.
0: No, no. Well, uh, well. There's two things to that. Uh, men, uh, men get a s- uh, bad rap on one side because there's also other issues, which is probably why you need separate men groups from women groups. Aside from wanting to hook up, aside from that, but also because uh, there's different things to address, um, like um if there was a uh, sexual abuse going on or if there was like prostitution while you were getting high, things like that. It's embarrassing for some people, well, for anybody to to you know, just discuss and get out in the open. Um, and then for women, I saw, you know, a lot, especially if women's been abused, um, that's why she didn't come get help a lot of times. She was mm-hmm. just stuck in the and even though the guy's gone or in jail, she she's just not, it's like the elephant, uh, you know, it's like, you're free. You can go. And it, just, it just wants to stay there because it doesn't realize that the chains are off. So sometimes, um, you know, there's different different things that have to be addressed. Mental health um, is another one. And that's both sides. That, that doesn't matter, male or female. Uh, but there's so many, um, women's health, I know, especially when they drink, you know, cancer rates can go up sometimes. Um, other health issues can go up. Um, so a lot of that stuff. A good rehab addresses all that, and it's hard to find that. It's very hard to find that.
1: Absolutely. I even now. And that's another reason too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cheaper to treat men. Is it? Uh, wow. it, it it is. Oh
3: it's right, I was it, is
0: it is
1: easier because a lot of the the centers are not equipped to help women and so because they can't provide all of the wraparound services Mm -hmm. that a woman needs and so they just don't do it and they they just treat the man because it's easier and it's cheaper and and that's not good and Mm -hmm. so we need more qualified um treatment places for women to go that can address all of the issues that women have emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, as well as their health wise and their addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we,
2: Brother Obi, if I may ask you this question, right? Cause that's a brilliant point that you just brought up. Um, and I actually, to be honest with you, I actually never thought of that. Um, mm-hmm. Being that it's cheaper to treat men. Do you think that sometimes the programs um, make more money treating men because i see with men the recidivism rate is high yes you know um i can't speak to every state but i know out here in new york
3: Mm.
2: the recidivism rate was high i once was part of a program that tested recidivism um i worked with the clients in the jail program and then when it released uh i did home visits and we did groups outside and um the county was looking at recidivism um Mm. The problem I have, and I don't mean to sound political, but you know it won't complete the question if I don't bring this part out. Um, is more money made dealing with dealing with men, because, and I'm only asking that because of the recidivism that I see. And for if I see that men keep coming into different programs or the same programs, sometimes the way they do sometimes in New York here. And the same thing is happening. Then I would have to ask myself some
1: questions like, well,
2: do we need to do something different? So would you say that more money is made off of
1: treating men, too? Absolutely, because you don't have to provide all of the services. So just think of that, you, you, you know, think of it real simple. Like you you may only have to provide two services for a man. I'm just making something up. Well, then for a woman, you may have to provide seven. And so you just need more mental health professionals. That's one of the things that we found out when we first started uh, taking in uh, women. Mm -hmm. We used the same modality and the same way of treating the woman that we did the man. And we found out that that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so we had to provide all of those things to deal with the trauma and the emotional thing. So we had to bring on more mental health professionals and provide different services. Mm. And so if you're just talking about money, well, that, that costs more money, Mm. you you, Mm. you know? And so a lot of people just don't do it for that reason. And that's not good. No.
3: Right. Um,
2: Right. Yeah. That's why I asked that question because I kind of noticed it. I'm sorry, Tonya. Go
0: ahead. No, no, it's okay. I'm still waiting mm-hmm. for that rehab to open that, that actually says, "Oh, we address this for for women specifically," because it's a shame that even uh, so, my mom passed away in the '80s, and and to me, it's still the same um, same difference in rehabs for women. There's not really much yeah. of a difference. There's a couple things, but not really nothing that's outstanding. You know, you would sure. think they'd be addressing uh, all those things, and it would be a requirement uh, to to even get a grant. That you have to be addressing yeah. all those modalities. You know, the site yeah. piece. Well, so for all, all, some, The courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we do courts. I mean, you remember, mm-hmm. Rich, we do, do tasks yeah. and uh, go, go to courts for with clients. So mm-hmm. that that was already a, a little piece, but they need to make it a piece. You know a woman's going to have to fight back for her kids. And then I've seen yeah. some now where they get released and they don't even have a place to go. They have to go to a shelter. I was like, how do you release a patient out of rehab? You go to a shelter.
2: Well, the, see the issue the issue that I have with that um, is that you know some of the shelters that I've worked in and that I've seen um, it's almost like a drug spot. Mm-hmm. So when you least, when, when when a person is transitioning into the next level of recovery or treatment, they're mm-hmm. vulnerable because yeah. they're going into the next level, mm-hmm. right? And so when you put them around all of their triggers, I don't, I personally don't think that's wise, Uh, but also um, going back to the point that you guys brought out about about women, I find the same thing with the youth as well. Uh, Many times, many of the treatment programs back in the day, and even sometimes still now, tried to treat everybody as if they're the same and we're not the same, right? No. Um, absolutely. I'm no longer in my twenties. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if I'm in a treatment program and there's a 21 year old in the treatment program, it's not to say we can't be in the program together, but we're two different people. Right. What's on a 21 year old's mind is not on somebody in their forties mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, oftentimes I see the same thing with, with young people. Um, young people don't get, I don't feel they get the help they truly need because our society judges them. They br- they blame them for the drug problem, for what's going on in the streets. And I often have to tell people this stuff existed before young people got here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Young people did not invent drugs, juke joints, strip clubs, and, and, and drugs, and, and drug dealing. They didn't invent it. It was here. Yes. So often, you know, people I feel are afraid to address, differences and then exactly. with something like recovery and drug treatment you mm-hmm. cannot be afraid to address differences
3: mm. because
2: absolutely. you have to do whatever you have to do to help get that person clean yes and that's that's that's, that's a lot of times what the problem is
3: mm.
0: absolutely
2: see.
3: well well, no,
0: absolutely. Um, well, we're going to uh, finish this conversation in a minute, and then we'll go look at some of the comments in the comment box. But I want to go to a quick uh, video break and, and come right back. Is that all right, guys? Yeah. All right, so hang tight, yes. Hang tight. Yes, ma'am. Uh, just stand, stay, uh, stay where you at. Stay tight. Hold on. Here you go, guys. Mm-hmm.
3: My baby's kind of crazy. My kind of He's till the end. Oh, his heart's a little heavy. Drinks, beers drugs, a shabby He's only to right till the end Oh, just tell me when you want it I got it, oh, oh Just tell me when you need it I have it, oh, oh You tell me every day that you're waving Oh, why do you wanna play? I know you're gonna want me, back, yeah I'm gonna own me back, yeah. I'm gonna on my body. do to go for that? No,
0: for them, no, I'm I ain't gonna own me back, and I'm gonna own me back. Hey, we're watching Out of town, and we're back. I'm your host, Tanya. That was singer uh, Tatiana. Uh, so I want to go to. of the comment box up here and see uh hi guys everybody i can see you now and i know what my error was uh but now i fixed it so thank you hey tony what's up uh grandma uh let's see so let's see anybody has a question in the box um yeah i see tony uh said that uh heroin is very big in his neighborhood yeah uh that's big everywhere uh and it's just uh, i'm not sure how that made a comeback but uh it has um and it's uh it's a very sad thing that even even something as simple as marijuana now, they're putting um, fentanyl on marijuana. It's like, how do you do that? What's what been what you to do that? But I uh, I heard a guy say once, well, that's what we make. We'll do anything to make them come back. And I, I try to tell people that this is – that was an addict. I mean, that was a, a dealer saying that. Like, uh, whatever I got to do. If I got scrape paint off the building, uh, whatever I got to do, if they're coming back. That is just f- – just mind boggling to me and that's the power of addiction that you wouldn't even care mm-hmm. like it's like you could tell me like there's asbestos in this and whatever whatever is it going to take me out of my mind that's that's the thing so I'm I'd like to know uh, how do we bring people to want to um I, I I think it starts when you're young but we have to teach children how to deal with emotions and mm-hmm. how to compartmentalize trauma and pain that's what i think is the is the issue and uh, the underlying issue i'll say uh, and i think it starts at childhood because remember you do what you see your family that did you do
2: the absolutely same thing. well i think you're right tanya i think also you know adults have to learn how to deal with emotions and things of that nature we can't expect the younger generation to do it if we have not Mastered it? Um, well, not. I don't want to say mastered, but learned. But also going back to what you were saying, as far as drug dealing, um, one of the truths that we have to face, and we still struggle with that in certain parts of our society, that mm-hmm. drug dealing is an addiction too.
0: Ah, tell about it. Tell it. Money addiction. Hello. Or Hello. just the
2: lifestyle. You. You often you yeah. hear professionals and people he in, said. and they talk about the lifestyle. Well, the lifestyle comes with more than just using the drug am i am i right brother obi
1: oh absolutely absolutely it's 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 the it's the power it's the it's the prestige it's it's all of those things that that uh that that go together uh but when Tanya was talking about the the children one of the things i i had to do and learn that one that that it is a genetic predisposition that comes with addiction Mm. You, yeah. you can get this thing three different ways. You can get it environmentally, from yes. the environment that you're around. You can use your way into addiction. And also, you can have a genetic predisposition. Yes. And so we have to educate our children and tell them the truth, age appropriately. I see mm-hmm. that so often when, when people will come into the treatment center, they'll lie to their kids and say, oh, I'm in school. Or, oh, he's alone. Right. Long, uh, he's a truck driver. That's why. No, tell them the yes. truth, age appropriately, and yes. start the education process.
3: Yes, so mm-hmm. that
1: they will understand about addiction. That's mm-hmm. what we have to do. We have to just be honest. That's the beginning.
0: Yes. Can you give yeah. me, because um, this is important, those three the uh, different ways that you said. So something like uh, one way is that you can come into addiction. Uh, let's say, is let's say I know if your father's an addict, you have a um, something like a ballpark 30% chance more if you're a boy. I want to say, I want to say that's right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, more chance. And that's just again, d- uh, DNA and, and how you deal with stuff, genetics, and,
1: genetics. Yeah,
0: genetics, and stuff like that. So it doesn't mean you're definitely going to be one, but no. it just means you have a higher chance. So you probably don't want to be vulnerable. messing around. Exactly. Thank you. And so another way is, um, uh, a back injury the doctor prescribed the oxys that's another way so you may have not been an addict at all thought about drugs at all but you've gotten mm-hmm. an accident a truck accident and your back is messed up you're in severe pain boom i've seen a lot of people lately on that one that just was like i'm like what are you what are you doing how long you been on those oh last six months i was like wait you've been on oxy six months do you do do you understand what addiction is well I, well, I can get off them if I want to. Really? Okay, give them to me so I can throw them in the garbage.
2: Of right. Well, that's what – what, it's funny you said that because when you talk about injuries, there was a movie mm-hmm. years ago that taught me a, a, a big lesson. Um, it was called The Last Boy Scout with Damon Wayans. Oh, and that was really good, Damon, yes. Yeah, Damon Wayans played a football player who got hooked on Demerol. Yes. Uh, if I'm right. saying, if I'm saying the drug right, he got hooked on demerol right. and eventually the heroin through taking painkillers so he could keep playing. So a right. lot of athletes, right? A lot of athletes get hooked on drugs because they're mm-hmm. given drugs or they take them themselves to keep mm-hmm. performing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of um, entertainers they're giving mm. drugs so you know they need you know they get tired and stuff like that so they can keep going a lot of college students there was yes. a survey done a long time ago or they had a show on TV about it where a lot of college students back in the 80s i remember were taking caffeine pills to stay awake so they yes. could get high marks yes so yes. there's a lot of ways where people get into now they
0: give the matter off
2: yeah 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 I'm so saying, yeah. yeah it's yeah. i mean it's a disease. So substance abuse is a disease. That's it, it. It manifests in more ways than a lot of times society leads us to believe.
0: Mhm. Mhm. What's the one that I'm missing? I said DNA. Well, we'll say DNA, but what do we call that? It's,
1: an, um, it's environment where environment. you're socializing into it. Just to you know, if something, especially in my community, right. yeah, you, you, you know, if you go to a funeral, everybody drinks. If you're right. going to have fun, everybody drink or use some sub. So it's just socialize to cope. Right. Then the other one is is that that's the genetics. Mm. And then the other one, we use our way through those three stages that I talked about. Mm. And those yeah. are the three stages. environment, we use our way into it. The mm-hmm. third one is genetics. genetics we yeah. have a genetic predisposition. Yeah. That's mm. why I had to educate my kids. I told them, hey, your dad is an addict. It doesn't mean you're going to be, but you have a high possibility because you have a genetic predisposition. So just be careful. Don't mean that you can't drink. But if you find yourself uh, drinking or using abnormally, Mm -hmm. then let's let's, let's Mm -hmm.
0: talk. Right. So so here's a good one um uh, from one of our viewers over here. So Anthony says, uh, some drugs, in my opinion, have a different effect on people. Marijuana is a drug, but it won't have the same effect on you as heroin. I see heroin addicts nodding out, etc. Can you address that one? Because we talk about this. We just we just touched a little bit on it.
2: I, well, I'll say, mm-hmm. and I'll keep it short because I, I want to hear uh brother Obie's uh thoughts on it, but I'll mm-hmm. say not true. Uh mm-hmm heroin marijuana is not heroin of course we know that um right. but uh, marijuana the addiction sometimes can be more subtle mm. right people still manifest similar behaviors if you're addicted mm. it doesn't matter what you're addicted to there will be behaviors associated with your addiction
0: mm-hmm. so thus
2: therefore a
1: drug is a drug
0: mm. Mm. yeah i'm with you but go ahead. what do you think obi
1: um, I agree, and and the other thing, you you know, I'm old. I'm, I'm I'm 60 years old, and the and the marijuana that I was smoking back when I was getting high, the TAC level was from eight to 12 percent. Now the marijuana that they're smoking today is anywhere from 25 to 40 percent TAC level. Well, mm-hmm. that's comparative to drinking regular alcohol that's 80 percent. Mm. And drinking some Everclear, that's that's 180%. It's not the same. And so the marijuana that that people are smoking today is almost as detrimental as the other drugs. But Mm. a drug is a drug, but it ain't the same marijuana. Yes. Right, Right, because I remember... Sorry.
0: That's
3: okay.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah, no, I I I
2: remember my father saying... Uh, back in the day, they had stuff called like Panama Red and Acapulco Gold mm-hmm. or something like that. It was totally different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, stuff that I hear. This stuff that I hear now, I can't even pronounce it.
3: What they oh. call
0: it, and you don't it's- want to, uh, because I, I mean, I'm sure you know from from your field of work. Uh, when oh. you get the you get the I call them the people in who uh do enough of their stuff so that if they get caught, they can just say they're an addict, so they can get less time. Those people are very good at telling you exactly what they put in. And so you already know as a counselor, you're not getting that. That's not just what you think it is.
1: It's, and it's also so- look, And another thing is, it's a such thing as a gateway drug. After a while, Thank whatever you drug you were doing, Thank stop you. having the, the same effect. So you want more and more. So you go to different drugs or you want more. That's so it. most of the people, like in, in, my, in my era, we all started out just smoking weed and, and drinking. After mm-hmm. a while, that it didn't have the same effect. So we went right. to something else and ultimately ended up at crack. And so that's what happens. is The right. system stopped getting high. So you want more or you want different?
0: Yes. because that's the, how
1: people end up on, on heroin. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or whatever
1: the drug is.
0: Right. Because the point is you want to stay high. You don't want to be thinking and all that stuff. So that's why you're chasing whatever that is. Until you get it, you're going to keep chasing it. And so Anthony... Uh, I see you, Tony, I say you saw you saw what it did to them. the brother the marijuana surely wouldn't have done what it did to him, but here's the piece. Marijuana was just the gateway to the next thing. So that's 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 what i I try to tell my kids um, well when they were growing up is well, if here's the theory, if you need to be around people, if you need to be high around your friends. A, I don't think they're great friends. That's my personal opinion. Uh, and uh, not great friends, excuse me. They're not motivating friends. They're not the ones that were supposed to be for you. Because if you're around the right group of people, you don't, why would you want to go get high? I mean, that's just, in my opinion, you you pick friends because they make you uh, high in a way by saying, hey, I'm going to see Rich today. Wow, I'm excited. We're going to have lunch today and, and we're going to talk and chat. That's supposed to make your serotonin happy in, in the in the regular world, I'm saying. You know, in the attic world, that's a whole nother story. You, you need something to always assist you. So I get that, but uh, but I try to train young people that you need to get used to um, being ha- uh, your adrenaline flowing when you're around people that are that you feel are your tribe. That you know we're all artists and singers, so we're about to do a concert. It's about to be lit in here. You know those feelings come up where you're excited doing what you love and what you like. You know what I'm saying? And I believe, just my personal opinion, that if we all take it way back, way back to five years old, way back to four years old you know, when they can talk and start making relationships with people, you have to pick people that excite you, you know? Um, and, And that's a hard thing to do in this world right now with so much stuff going on and TV and this and that and ADHD. There's a lot of stuff going on. I get it, but I don't think nobody's excited to see anybody else anymore. So they need something else. I need a glass of wine, right. To get through this day. That's what you, that's what people say. Instead of saying, you know, well, let me see. I'm gonna invite my four friends over, and we're gonna play spades. I'm making that up. I'm making something mm-hmm. up. Or have spaghetti and and just socialize and put on some good music and dance. And and the pandemic didn't help. Okay, so yeah. that's a that's a whole another story. It, it definitely didn't help. But you ha- sometimes we have to as human beings step out of our normal box. You know, because I used to tell my I used to work with young people or that or that were uh, uh, addicts, and it's hard to tell a 13 year old, 15 year old, especially when they're like 18. It's hard to tell them, okay, you're going to go back out in the real world now and you can never party again. So your life is just basically over. That's what they hear. But I said mm-hmm. to them, I said, no. I said, because uh, one of the uh, persons said to me, oh, because they asked me, you know, what are you doing this weekend? I said, I'll oh, probably just do a dinner party in the backyard or something. And they said, mm-hmm. oh, really? And, and so they were like really interested. And I was like, why can't you have a dinner party? Well, yeah, but I can't drink. Mm-hmm. Who said you had to drink? If you have interesting right. people, you don't need a drink. Everybody's, you're going to be so excited that you're seeing some Merrily and Molly and whoever else because we're having these dynamic conversations that are going to lead us to our gifts and our talents, right? That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what we have to get back to. and I think we've all lost that, not just had Well, a- well I, I can, ag-
2: it. yeah, I'm sorry. I can agree with that, Tanya. Uh, one of the things, one of the dangerous things about addiction that I notice is mm-hmm. that um, it impacts your ability to do what you could normally do yourself. Um, mm. It impacts a human being's ability to do what they are capable of. Case in point, um, heroin um, causes the body to stop producing dopamine. That's mm. why the person gets sick, right? Yes. But the body produces its own dopamines. Well, that's, that's a physical part, but there's also a psychological part. Human beings have their own adrenaline. They have their own... Um, endorphins. They have, their own, they have their own ability to enjoy life and live life on life's terms. When we use mm-hmm. a substance, we are um, impacting our natural abilities. Right. And so that's why many times the recovery process is difficult for people because when, when they no longer have their coping mechanism, which is the drug at the time, they have mm-hmm. to almost relearn how to communicate their feelings exactly. as to where they numb them. And mm. on the spiritual part, I do believe, and I, and I would like to get Brother Obi's take on this too. Um, mm. I believe that the human being is, is three parts, you know, physical, mental, and spiritual. Well, mm. my physical sometimes gets its messages from the spiritual. You know, mm. when my spirit ain't right, I feel that. But what happens is when, when I get high, I numb the body. Right. So the body gets numb, but the spirit doesn't respond to dope and alcohol and drugs. So mm. the spirit is still starving and it's not being fed. But mm. because I've known my body, I'm that's out that's not in my mind until the high wears off. Mm. You follow me? I, and what do you think, uh brother Obi? I
1: agree the way the way um I teach it is, is that we're sociably unmanageable mm. because wow. addicts have have gotten high so much mm. they don't know how to do normal things, and so we just socially unmanageable. We have fell into this thing that I can't enjoy life unless mm. I'm high, and mm. so it. I believe in equipping and teaching coping skills, so we have to learn again how to do normal mundane things.
3: Yes, without
1: getting high.
3: Yes, because
1: you 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 know uh, everything that we have done. Mm-hmm. People in addicts is they done it with drugs, and so when you take that off, take that away, you think that you can't enjoy life without getting high. So you're like, "What I'm gonna do? Just sit around and and do nothing? I can't have any fun." That's the right.
3: lie. Yes, that is
1: told to us that I can't enjoy myself unless mm-hmm. I'm getting high, and so you have. That's why that you have to intentionally teach them. Yes, to do things and learn. How to have fun without yes. the use of mood altering chemicals,
3: exactly.
0: and
1: that is not easy. That's a process yes. of learning how to have fun and enjoy life. Without
0: yes, yeah, yes, sober. And I, it was very, it was a challenge because I worked with adolescents. So you know, they're like, "What? It's not gonna be lit without this." And I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be real lit." So I would have like mocked parties, and show them like this is how it will be fun. So I would single out. All the people I know that vibe together, and they'd see they'd be sitting there talking. I was like, "What happened? You ain't having no drugs, and you having a good." So they said, "I haven't laughed like this in so long." I said, "I know it's going to take a while, but this is what you have to set this this environment. Up. Oh, I think you lost Rich for a minute. We have you have to set this environment up for yourself because that that's to me just like you trained your brain one way, you can retrain it back. It's Absolutely. never too late. Never too late. So I really thank you so much." Um, for, for taking the time, Obi, to come and be with us. Um, it's, it's so important to me, this topic, because we're just losing so many good people. I mean, it's like the ages 25, 25 to 34, um, are having the most ODs. It seems like that's like 17,000. I think there's a 344 or something like that. deaths uh, going on a year. Is it, and and it's a 38% increase or something and it's growing. Like it's just, Massive. It's not slowing down. So so that's why I wanted to have you here today. Um, I appreciate you. And can you tell people if they need to reach you? Uh
1: yes. Um uh, I can be reached. At our phone number is 214-943-5010. Mm-hmm. Our okay. website is armdallas.org. A R M A-R-M
3: armdallas.org. Okay. O-R-G. Okay. So let me
1: see. There we go.
3: Yeah.
1: And easy. my email is director at armdallas.org, but they can find all that information there at our uh, at our website. Oh, so okay. So was a pleasure, Tanya and Richard. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes, we of appreciate course. It. And, Rich, anything last you want to say? Uh, yeah,
1: I, we,
2: yeah. yeah, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I have, if it's okay with you, Tanya, because my okay. internet jacked up a little bit. Okay. I have one, just one more question for Brother Obi and then. Is that, is that all right? Well, Obi, this is something I don't always talk about because I was heavily stigmatized in it when I came into the field, right? Um, but I don't, I don't, um, I don't have a history of chronic substance use. Um, I was impacted by family um, that that uh, suffered from addiction. Um, one of the most traumatizing experiences I've had when when one of my relatives passed away, I didn't know that even I was young then, but I didn't know that they were using until they died from it. Um, I've been criticized for years. Um, even suffered a little, I guess you could say a little discrimination, uh, because I was a counselor who came into the field 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of people didn't believe that I could be effective because I didn't have a direct history, you know, um, with mm-hmm. substance abuse. Um, mm-hmm. And I know my mentor is probably watching now because him and I have had words about that. He kind of like insisted you did have one, but I, I didn't. Um, do you think that that would impact a
1: person's ability to be an effective substance abuse counselor? I do not long as they can find a way to empathy and identification.
2: Mm, wow.
1: Okay. You, you, you know, <laughs> one of, one of my mentors say, you know what? Uh, he, he would always say because he he was not a person who who had a history of substance abuse and he would always say hey can a man be a O B Y G N? oby you you know yeah. yes yes yeah. right yeah and so um mm-hmm. i have had a lot of people who were not addicts themselves that mm-hmm. uh that helped me along the way and mm-hmm. so but what it was it was no judgment and they have ability to have empathy right. and to identify. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and from a spiritual standpoint, you know, sin is sin and yes. brokenness. And we're all in need of a savior. And we mm-hmm. all got something. And so mm-hmm. if you can just find your something and mm-hmm. and, and think of it in, in that way, because we all have something in yes. areas where we need a savior. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and,
2: I, and I appreciate that, Brother Obi, because um, when I first got into the ministry, when I first got saved, you know, I fell into a backslidden condition and I felt so ashamed. Mm-hmm. I, part of me didn't feel worthy of living, mm-hmm. you know, because everything I read about Jesus and everything I knew about the Bible and God and I was like, I was doing good. What happened? So I could identify with trying to um, be better right and struggling at it so mm. that's why i'm empathetic and plus you know i buried a couple of close friends and family members to mm. um because of addiction mm. so i was still impacted and yes. and i think that's what a lot of people forgot
1: Then, yeah and let me, let me say one one other way people mm. don't care whether you you have an addiction people want to know that you care about them
2: that's
3: it there, you go. there it is as long that's as it.
1: they know you care you, you, you know, you can be a person in recovery. And if they don't mm-hmm. if they don't feel and know that you care about them, I okay. tell people all the time uh that, that you know my right. first thing that I have to do is to is to get you to understand that I care about you. That right. I love you. Right. You, you, you know, once I do that, right. then I can go on with the other thing that I care about you yeah. as a person. Yes. Once that's established. Right. Then the then the rest is easy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: You and that's uh, I think that's
3: you, uh that's, yeah. yeah. Go, ahead.
1: go ahead. No, I was that's
2: saying I thank you, Tanya, for allowing us to be on your platform because I this is a great honor to to be talking with Brother Obi Bussy and you, Tanya. Of course, always.
3: Yes,
0: yes I appreciate you, uh, Obi, I really do. You have no idea, uh, because uh, again, I always I'm one of the people. I just how can I create change. And one, one is by utilizing my platform to make sure that people um, know information. And this is information that's very, very, very crucial. What you don't know can kill somebody or can hurt somebody or hurt yourself, in my opinion. you know. So I'd rather always give too much information than not any at all. So I appreciate both of you uh, for giving me both of your opinions, uh, your thoughts, and um, different ways that people can help. You have the uh, website information. If you need anything, guys, you're more than welcome to inbox me. If you can't remember what it is, uh, but whatever it is, mm-hmm. I know everybody at this point has somebody in their family that they're dealing with addiction, uh, and if you do, yeah. please try to get them help. That's the first thing, you know. And if they're not ready, they're not mm-hmm. ready. But there's certain things you can do to get ready for when they're ready, you know. So remember yeah, that. It, it's a team effort, um, and uh, you know, non-judgmental team effort, as we say. Uh, but but it can be done and and especially when you got young kids out here please try to talk to your kids try to figure out what's going on in their life not what's going on in the xbox what's going on in their life Mm -hmm. Uh, you know if your kid spends a lot of time on the television in in xbox world it's kind of hard to bring them out so you got it's up to the parents to be like no you should be out rollerblading and riding your bike and talking to people and really interacting not Mm -hmm. even though it's pandemic so i get that but you know, you got to stay focused on your kids and what's going on. I, I just, you know, it mm-hmm. breaks my heart. So many young young people just just dropping, dropping. And what and to yeah. me, the, the the tragedy of that part is that now those thirty, well, uh, however many seventeen thousand people that died, we're not going to get those seventeen thousand um, lessons that we were supposed to get from them. So we might have to wait another yeah. 10 years before we get the whatever it is we needed, you know, the, the cure for yeah. breast cancer or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that they, God gave them their gift. So that's how I see uh, when someone ODs or dies. Mm-hmm. hard it. So now we got to wait for something else. So that's why if you yeah. can try your best, guys, try your best to do work on yourself, but, but also try to get your friend or family member or spouse help. Uh, and I appreciate you guys all. All my viewers out there. Kishon, thank you for uh, signing on. Anthony, um, Gina, Grandma, I see you out there. Uh, thank you, guys, all, and Obie, we appreciate you.
2: Thank you.
0: Uh, you're welcome back here anytime. Yeah, thank
2: you, my brother. I definitely yes. appreciate you, and I, I utilize your your videos, you know, then share with people.
1: Yes. All right.
0: All right, guys. So we'll be we, uh, guys. I'll see you guys on Sunday again. Yes, I know. I can't believe it. Sunday again. So thank you for for being with us, and we'll see you soon.